0: Thank you for joining us on Feed the Crew. If you haven't already, please subscribe and follow us on Facebook or Instagram. If you have any feedback, if you'd like to be a guest or suggest a topic, go to our website, feedthecrewpodcast.com. If you love the show and want to support us, you can do that at buymeacoffee.com forward slash feed the crew. Well, hey everybody. Welcome to Feed the Crew. Today we have Jan Landy, who is a man of no talents, just kidding. He, <laughs> he is the owner and founder of soundbroker.com and the host of the Facebook group Soundbrokers Mastermind Roundtable, which uh, I've had the pleasure of being a guest at, or, sorry, a panelist and an attendee for. I uh, have to say that uh, it is a really good group of folks. So if you haven't seen that yet, go to Jan Landy's Facebook page and check that out. But welcome, Jan. Welcome to the show.
1: Well, thanks. Um, It's good to be here, Ray. Thank you for having me.
0: We're glad to have you. Um, Why don't you introduce yourself to our guests?
1: Uh, Okay. My name is Jan Landy. Uh, That's Jan like in January, Landy like real estate with a Y, so that way you could Google me. I am the only Jan Landy in the entire universe, so that if you do Google Jan Landy... I'm the only one that's (laughs) going to come up. Yeah, it might be a Janice Landy or you're a Janet Landy or, you know, a Jan L from Superman. But uh, I am the only Jan Landy. And that is why my Facebook page is called the only Jan Landy. It would have been called Jan Landy, but Janice Landy abbreviated her name and stole it from me.
0: Ah. (laughs) Shame on her. (laughs) We're going to have to have a talk with her. <laughs>
1: yes, I've been trying to reach her for years. You know, and then what can I say? You know, it's almost like uh, Gabriel Gonzalez, who uh, for somehow uh, back, in, back in the early 50s used my social security number for something. And I can't get her off my social security page. Uh, they say basically that someone in New York fat fingered the keyboards and that's it. She and I will be connected for the rest of our lives.
0: What?
1: Yeah, Yep. Yep. I think she's probably long gone by now, though. But uh, her name, her name will still remain in infamy. That's all I can say.
0: (laughs) Are we allowed to use her name on the air?
1: We just did. We just did. (laughs) So we shall see. I could be making this up. Who knows? (laughs) Like you said, I'm a man of no talent. So what can I say?
0: Hey, those are your words, not mine. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Prove it. (laughs) Rewind that, Jake. (laughs)
1: you know what i've realized what i realized is the reason i could say that is because i did stand-up comedy for so many years and what i found out is that if you're just not funny being a comedian doesn't work that's why so you got to be funny that's it if you're going to be a stand-up comedian i recommend you being funny
0: yes i think that's a helpful talent to have
1: so all right so
0: i know that you lunchtime no 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 (laughs) i know we want to feed the crew um (laughs) So I know that you answered this question uh, on your own show many, many times, but what was your first job ever?
1: My first job ever was working for Empire Hardware uh, in, uh, in my hometown uh, as a stock boy. That was my very, very, very first job, Empire Hardware. It didn't last very long because uh, I volunteered at 13 years old or 14 years old. I volunteered to go out and put a lock in somebody's house. How simple could it be? But about after two hours of drilling through a solid metal door, I found out I was only off by about a quarter of an inch. And for some reason, they fired me for that. I don't know why. but
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> You were young. That, that's awfully young to be <laughs> working.
1: You know well, you know, my my, my family had a work ethic, mm-hmm. and uh, m- my second job was working for a supermarket called Wallbounds. and this one I will never forget um, as well. So I was a stock boy at uh, at, at the Walbaums, and I loved it. And I, you know, stacking the cans—it was really cool. I was so pre—I was so pleased at my workmanship of stacking cans. I was able to do it really well, and I, I had—I I think I had the coffee aisle. And those days, they had big cans; it was easy to do. I really enjoyed myself, and then one day. The manager of the store says, hey, the janitor didn't show up. Could you please sweep the front of the store? So, of course, I went out, swept the store as good as possible because that's the kind of work ethic I had and went back to stacking my cans. A couple hours later, manager comes back and says, hey, um, we need you to sweep the front of the floor, uh, front of the store again. Could you go back out there and sweep the floor? No problem. And I did that about three times during the day. And at the end of the day, the manager comes up to me and says, look, the janitor's not coming back. We want you to do the job of sweeping the floors in the front. And I said, no, I'm a stock boy. I Mm -hmm. quit. And I went home and I was so proud that I stood up for myself, that I was a stock boy and I was going and I was going to live up to that fact that I was a good stock boy and nobody was going to take that away from me. Nobody was going to make me a janitor. And I got home and I remember telling my father, I said, dad. You won't believe it. I was sweeping the floors and I quit because I was a stock boy. And he said, what? You think you're better than that? You think you're too good to sweep the floors? Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you, when you come to work for me, the first job you're ever going to get is to sweep the floors. And my father had a really big company and everything like that. (laughs) Anyway, it wasn't until I was 17 years old that I went to go work for my, my father And he'd never forgot that the first day on the job, he hands me a broom. He says, yeah, sweep. And I said, what are you talking about? I'm your son. I can't be sweeping the floors. And he gave me this bit of advice. He says, You're going to sweep the floors because if you're going to work for me and one day run this company, you have to know every aspect of how this company works. How are you going to know if you don't sweep the floors, how long it's going to take to sweep the floors when you have to assign someone else that job?
0: Very wise man, your father.
1: I don't know about that. Who cares how long it takes to sweep a floor? You know, know, what's what's the difference? You know, but no, he was, he was, he was a very wise man until they caught him and put him in jail. But other than that, that (laughs) though, evidently he stole the broom from the guy next door. Wouldn't give it back. I don't know what happened there, but uh, anyway. (laughs) Tell us
0: how you got involved in, in audiovisual stuff. You went from stock boy to AV. Is that,
1: I my very 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 first um, experience with sound light staging video whatever you have or just electronics, my uncle used to fly radio controlled planes when I was a, when I was a kid. Now we're going back to the fifties, and he was also a ham operator, and I was fascinated by this stuff. So I ended up at thirteen. I actually had an FCC class technician license and i also worked for my uncle part time uh, fixing appliances my very first business myself was silver dollar electronics and i knocked on the neighbors doors and i was fixing their toasters and their irons and their lamps and stuff like that so that was uh that was it and when during school i was on the av squad i was the one who in the old days would roll in the tape machine to the principal's office plug it into the the PA system and play the pledge of allegiance for everybody you know
0: nice
1: and and the reason that fascinated me so much because it would make me late for my next class and i said ah this is great <laughs> cuz no you know just like sweeping the floors nobody had any idea how long it took to get from the principal's office after putting the machines away so i you know um well i shouldn't be saying that but it's the truth <laughs> <laughs> And I was on the AV squad all throughout um, public school, junior high and high school. And of course, I had a job in the backstage. I was on the backstage crew um, at my high school. And uh, so I've always wanted to be uh, in the music business. Um, But it just happened to be that this was one of those things that all of when I started Soundbroker back in 1997, All of my skill sets came together in one place, in one time, and it was inevitable that that's what would happen to me. That was my fate. And I will share with your listening audience and everybody in the sound of my voice is that once you find what it is that you're supposed to be doing in life, everything you need to survive and prosper will come into your life. And that's what happened with me.
0: Very nice. Very good advice.
1: Don't forget to sweep. Okay, so there you go. Sweep.
0: You know, and I've told people that before, so I'm right in line with, with uh, what your dad was telling you. Uh, I told a lot of people that even once you get out of school and you go to work at your local AV company, uh, be prepared to go sweep the floors. You know, you go to work in the warehouse and learn more than what you learned in school. You might've learned in school to be an operator, but that doesn't help you Understand every cable and every adapter and everything that goes into that warehouse and what goes on the truck and and such. So be ready to go sweep the floors,
1: yeah, and uh, fetch the coffee. <laughs> and just remember, you're you're never above it. You know, you're never you're above, never no. above it. You know, I'm
0: still at, not above it. I'll still sweep the floors and still get the coffee.
1: At my company, there is nothing that I won't do. Um, as far as jobs, there's nothing too menial. And, uh, because of that, when I ask somebody to do it, it's not something that I haven't already done. I will, I, it, every job needs to be done and your, your company's only good as, as your weakest link. And so, you know, you got to put in 100% of who you are into the job and it's, you, you get rewarded for that. But just remember, you know, you, and this is something I learned a long time ago, even if you're working for someone else and you're on a clock, you're always working for yourself because everything that you learn comes into your brain. It formulates and makes you the person that you are. So you're always working for yourself.
0: Absolutely. How did you progress your career into owning soundburger.com? How did that come about?
1: I was doing stand up comedy, as I told you, and I was starving to death. And but before that, we have to go back a little bit. Okay. A little bit. Um, I was, I, one of my good friends at the time owned a company called A1 Audio. I was doing sales. I've always been in the entertainment business my whole entire life working for record companies. Uh, I was the performing arts director for the city of Los Angeles for their Los Angeles Street Scene Festival. Hmm. Uh, I was the a director for RSO Records. And uh, if you don't know what RSO Records are, most people will have an idea, or possibly even have the records that I worked on in their house. Uh, if you consider Saturday Night Fever in Greece, Nice. So I worked on both of those records. Um, so um, I once I what happened was that I was sitting at my desk uh, working for RSO Records when the phone rang because I had volunteered the year before to work for the mayor of Los Angeles, Tom Bradley, to put together the Street Scene Festival. It was a big, 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 big project. They had two million people, fourteen stages, all sorts of different entertainments, and uh, and I volunteered to assist them. And I did the rock and roll stage in those days. Um, And I remember sitting in the first meeting with all these really power broker people and they're saying, well, I could do this and I could do that. And I could do this. And I said, well, I don't know what I can do, but whatever I can do, I'll do it. You know? (laughs) And all these people that promised the world gave them nothing for a guy like myself who just, put myself into it 100%, I was able to accomplish the rock and roll stage. It was very successful so that when the the person who was doing the performing arts quit, they offered me the job, but I was really happy at doing A&R and I didn't want to, I didn't, I didn't want to leave that job for sure. But while I'm talking to the, um, the general manager of of the city of Los Angeles on the phone and she's offering me this job. And I said, I really appreciate the job, but I can't really take it right now. I'm really happy. My boss's secretary walked into my room and says, Oh, you're on the phone. And I said, hold on for one second. Put my phone over. She said, we're having a meeting downstairs. I said, Sylvia, I'll tell you what, let's do lunch next week. Okay. And I hung up the phone with her, went downstairs. They fired the whole company because Polygram bought RSO records. And I just felt it was fate to go over to work for the city. And from there, I got involved in in the actual theatrical production aspect of it. And so when A1 was looking for somebody, my friend was looking for somebody to help him run the company, I was was the fit. And then from there, I started selling charity shows. I realized that these people just didn't know anything about production whatsoever. Mm -hmm. They just had a charity. They wanted to raise some money. And all of a sudden I I was doing, I was doing all the work for them. And then one day, oh, I wish I could remember who it was, came to me and says, hey, listen, I can't do my job for this other guy. I'll pay you, you know, 1500 bucks if you what, pay me. I thought that this is a free job. I mean, <laughs> were you getting the money to pay me? And once I realized that, boy, that there was money in them, the hills, I said, "Hey, I'm gonna start." You know, I I love doing the production. I love because I'm I'm a very anal guy, um, very analytical. Everything I, I I I schedule everything out. I see the whole picture. I see a big picture, and then I'm put I put together the minutiae the minutiae of it all so that I could create it. So like when I was doing production, I would, I would put in, you know, the call times, what time coffee was going to be served, what time the chairs were going to get there, you know, and I would do the whole logistics and the whole timeline. So I became very efficient at this. And then I ended up getting, um, while I was doing and working for A1, uh, one of the jobs I picked up was the House of Blues, and they were just building the house of blues in Los Angeles. And, you know, I got involved in that as a production manager, there I uh, got them in the system, built the room that right now that every house of blues basically is using the same formula that I created nice. um, at the house of blues blues in Los Angeles. And so anyway, that's
0: that's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. it's when, And then of course I went to work for Prince for a couple of years doing his club called glam slam. So, um, I guess that's that's how it happened, and then um, one day I was doing standup comedy, so I had this production skill set, and there was a guy by the name of Morris Leiter and Morris Leiter was was Phil Collins' production guy, he was Michael Jackson's advanced advanced guy, he was doing huge huge shows. Um, Morris was when he did Michael Jackson and took him to Russia. There was, they did it in a field and there was nothing. There was no facilities whatsoever. So Morris had to figure out the power, had to figure out the logistics, had to do all of that big job. Anyway, right. a few years later, he was working for Disney uh, and a project called Disney Fest Asia and Disney Fest Asia the concept of Disney Fest Asia was, is they were going to build a mobile Disneyland and travel it through Asia, and where they sold the most souvenirs and merchandise, that was where they were going to build their first Disneyland. So he calls me up and he says, "And I'm right now. Remember, I'm doing stand-up comedy, right?" And Morris says to me, "Hey, I got a job for you." And I said, "Oh, great! What? What is it? You want me to sing? You want me to dance? Am I opening <laughs> the show? What is?" It? He said, "What are you talking about? I need <laughs> you to sell some equipment for me." And I say, "I said, Morris, I'd love to help you, but I'm a comedian." And without missing a beat, Morris said to me, Jan, that's the funniest thing I ever heard you say. <laughs> but, um... And uh, so I tried, to, I tried to farm this job off to somebody else, but Morris would take no for an answer. And I ended up working for Disney for um, a very short period of time. But in that short period of time that I worked for Disney, I made more money in those three weeks working for Morris than I had in the last two years doing stand-up comedy. Wow. And from then, uh, Harmon heard about me, and they offered me a job as an independent contractor to sell their discontinued inventory. And then from there, the rest was history.
0: And you're talking about like Harmon Carden, right?
1: Well, JBL. JBL. JBL but Harmon Cardon was there was their their right. personal line that was the home the home the home line
0: right okay wow and that's how soundbroker was born
1: and that was how soundbroker was born and <laughs> anything you know as i was saying you know when you do the right thing everything that's supposed to happen happens right so i didn't come up with the name soundbroker i'm sitting in the 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 JBL offices i'm selling this equipment and the phone rings and the guy on the other and and, and I answered the phone and I, I said, well, how do I answer the phone? Remember, I'm an independent contract. Do mm-hmm. so I answer the phone with the phone number 4321, you know, <laughs> JBL, uh, use gear sales, um, Jan Landy, you know, or my production company, which is called Cash Landy Productions. And I got so confused when I answered the phone. I said, uh, um, uh, hello? Hello? And the guy said, oh, "I think I have the wrong number. I was looking for the sound broker."
0: <laughs> and I said,
1: "Well, you got me. Could you do me a favor? Could you call me back in ten minutes? You know." Um, and <laughs> I hung up with him, and we registered the name Sound Broker uh, uh, for for the worldwide internet. That guy never called back, and I don't know who it was. He gave me the name.
0: Oh my goodness, <laughs> dude! If you're out there, connect with Jan. Just. You just- know? Just to claim that fame, that would be so cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. The universe works in strange ways,
0: right? <laughs>
1: yeah. And this the last year has been the strangest of them all, you know?
0: So yeah. It, speaking of this last year, what what's the biggest change that that's happened to you with 2020?
1: This was the first year that my business dropped like 85% uh, up until this point in time. I had always had I always had gone up a percentage point, usually between ten and fifteen percent. Mm. My my business had grown, so this was the first time I saw my business drop. I mean, eighty five percent of what we normally do because we support the concert industry. Right. So that was the, that was the hardest thing for me to grasp. That business was 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 really dying. But I am positioned in such a way that everybody, you know, with the name Soundbroker, uh, even if you don't know the name and somebody says, oh, Soundbroker is, oh, yeah, yeah. I know. You don't want to sound embarrassed that you don't know a name like Soundbroker, you know, so, <laughs> you know, you got to say that, you know, it. So we were able to muddle through, you know, it was very, very, it was a very, very tough time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've gone through multiple tough times before. So I know what it was like, even though I never had a bad year like the way I had this last year. Right. But the hardest part of all, and that's why I started the Mastermind Group, was talking to people who I had known for years and years and years who were super successful. And now all of a sudden, they were driving trucks again. They were working for Home Depot. They were the depression level of what was happening. People were committing suicide. And I felt that I needed to put something back into the industry, using my sense of humor and brighten people's days up. And so that's what the mastermind was all about. Was uh, you know it was cheaper than therapy and more affordable and <laughs> right. um, more rewarding.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. As you know, you know
1: you've been on you've and been that's... on you've been on the show, and you know that it's you know I'm making people laugh and bringing out yes. that aspect of. Yeah, it might be bad, but there's still there. There's still things that are good about life.
0: Absolutely. And and that's the kinship that we share, which is what brought me to to watch your your show. And also then having you bring me on as one of your panelists, which I think is fabulous. That kinship that we have with your show and Feed the Crew. We you know, we have different formats, but the concept is the same. Um, and so I also want to shout out to loving hands for stage hands, which is a Facebook group with the same concept that we have, but, um, they're, they limit themselves to chat. They're not, they're just chatting amongst each other, posting in the group and talking to each other that way, but mental health in, in our industry for everything that's happened in 2020 is so important. So We wanted to tell stories and, and keep people connected and you're actually doing it live every week on Wednesdays. I know it's five o'clock central time, but you are in Vegas. You're typically, um, what's that? 3
1: o'clock? three o'clock three o'clock so it's it's three five and six i guess because four o'clock disappears somewhere in the ether i don't it know does.
0: How that it does it does
1: <laughs> but daylight savings times you know right now um you know eventually they have to end daylight savings time because yeah. it just doesn't make any sense anymore um, it
0: doesn't and i want my hour back so you know i'm yeah. all with, i'm all for that let's get rid of that stuff
1: Well, whatever you do, don't cross the international dateline, then you lose a whole day. So there you have it.
0: (laughs) I've done that before.
1: (laughs) You know, and if you don't come back, you never get it back. That's all there is. That's all there is to (laughs) it.
0: You have our crew laughing over here behind the scenes.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm glad they appreciate my (laughs) (laughs) non-talent.
0: Well, so you you said you you've had challenges uh, in the industry before. And obviously the pandemic in 2020 is a significant challenge, but what other challenges have you faced that uh, might be of inspiration for others to help overcome their challenges of their own?
1: Oh, well, when I started Soundbroker, you know, everybody except for three people thought I was on glue and that, you know, there would be no reason at all for what I was doing because remember there was, you know, eBay had had just gotten started. Um, So, it would, that was a brand new concept. The internet was just getting started. Mm. And the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, why would anybody want to buy used gear when there's plenty of new gear around? And then the other aspect of it was, is that the people who were selling new gear were saying to me, why would I want to be associated with a used gear salesman? You know that's uh, you know you're 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 just going to ruin my brand name if I if I give you if I give you my brand then you know you're associating with the used gear, and my thought process well it's going to be used sooner or later you know and what are they going to do with it you know right um, but the reality is is that it took a while to hear no 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 and finally someone said well maybe. And then Mm -hmm. I heard a few more maybes. And then finally, a guy named Matt Robinson, who was working at that time for Sennheiser, uh, uh, Soundcraft. uh, They had a board, a small board called the Spirit. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. Really tiny little board, you know. And he said, all right, I'll tell you what. I'll let you sell this. I'll let you sell my Spirit board. You know when you don't know any better and this is what you've got you work really hard and you 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 put it out there and you sell a lot of them you know and I did sell a lot of them and from there I ended up picking up the crest line and the rest is history you know now oh, that's we, awesome now we represent some of the biggest line it took me years and years and years to become an official Meyer dealer I didn't even know I thought I was a Meyer dealer before I before I was a Meyer dealer, I mean I didn't even realize I wasn't a Meyer dealer, but they that Helen had made some sort of a um, accommodation for me, and uh, but now we are official Meyer dealers, and that took a long long time to get there. Um, you know, Avid came to me when they introduced their S6L, set up their trade-in program for the profile because basically the thing that was keeping them from selling the S6L was the profile because. The profile still has life on life on the bone and uh, people who had had profiles. Why should I spend this much more money to buy something new when the console I have right now is working like crazy, you know, but Avid created that with me. And that's been very successful as well.
0: Well, and those of us in the industry of, of live events that, that put our hands on different types of gear, you know, working for different companies constantly. We do know that there's value in used gear it just depends on what it is and how used it is so there's definitely value like sm58 it's a hammer anybody who has an sm58 for sale you know it's going to work
1: yeah <laughs> well the 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 reality is is that used gear gives you more value for your money than new gear because it it the the concept is is if you want to buy new gear it's going to cost you more money for this more or better quality gear, mm-hmm. for example, I'll just give you an example. You could buy something like, let's say, um, without, with a Mackie rig. Okay. You could buy a Mackie rig brand new, but for that to save money on a used gear, you can get more equipment. Let's just say from a Nexo or from Meyer or from JBL.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so you get a better quality of gear and more of it for less money.
0: And the other thing I
1: will say about the used gear business, it's what I would call an imperfect business rather than a perfect business. And when I say a perfect business, if you go to buy a car, you're paying, let's just say for argument's sake, you're paying a hundred thousand dollars for a car. Now it's a nice car for sure. Don't get me wrong. But (laughs) in that price of that car, if you drive it off the lot, you're not going to get $100,000 for that car. You might be lucky if you get 80 or 70 depending on your if you if you absolutely bought a car and then all of a sudden you found, wow, I don't have any money to pay for this car and you have to get rid of the car, what's the value of that car? Right. The value of the car is what someone else will pay you for it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and with used gear it's the same thing. It's imperfect. Now, when when I say the new car, why is the new car a fixed price? Well, they figure in, they figure in their manufacturing costs, they figure in their advertising costs, they figure in their finance costs, they figure in their employees' costs, and they put this all together and they come up with a cost. But in Use Gear, all of those other costs disappear. Yep. And it's only the value of the actual equipment, what's it worth to the buyer? Right. That is what that equipment becomes worth. And that's why it's imperfect.
0: Absolutely. So let me tell you a story of something that happened in my history that is a perfect example of what you're talking about. I was working for a sound company in South Jersey, which actually uh, doesn't exist anymore. So I'll name them, which was Major Soundworks.
1: Oh, I thought you meant South Jersey doesn't in- exist. Oh yeah, anymore.
0: South Jersey doesn't exist anymore. Well, they just want to be their own state, but they haven't gotten that far yet. But uh, th- this company, Major Soundworks, had a really great rock and roll gig. They had front of house, monitors, you know the whole thing. He's going to sell it to one of his clients because he's looking to get out of the business in the first place. So let's let me just throw out a ticket number off the top of my head. Let's just say he was going to sell it for a hundred thousand dollars, whole rig, block, stock, barrel. You get every piece of equipment, everything you need. It Was wonderful rock and roll rig to a, a gospel minister, and they're making their deal. As far as I know, everything's great. The minister is going to hire me. To run the sound rig and to teach others how to use it so that I can go back to freelancing. So he contracts me for a couple months to run the sound equipment that I've been working with with Major Soundworks. For whatever reason, at the last minute, the church decided that they were going to take their $100,000 and buy all brand new equipment, unbeknownst to me. I knew nothing about what deal was going on. And I show up Mm -hmm. and it's all brand new gear, but This is not a rock and roll sound system that he was able to purchase for Mm $100,000. This is now a sound system that's only capable of about, oh, I'm going to roughly say 112 dB before you're going to break it. (laughs) And what he wants and what he needs is 130. So now he has wasted his money on a system that's not going to do the job that he wanted it to do when the rock and roll rig he was going to spend that money on would have been perfectly fine would have done the job and would have lasted him just as long as the brand new gear that he purchased that's not going to work for him so you are absolutely right there's a big difference the same amount of money might have bought him a brand new system but it wasn't equally valuable
1: yeah for sure you know and 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 by the way you know when That is one of the reasons why what you just said is why I don't make recommendations to people, Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: if I make a recommendation to you in selling used equipment and it doesn't work, you could say to me, hey, take it back. You made a mistake. I told you what I needed. You made this recommendation. It doesn't do it. Take it back. Mm -hmm. Uh, And 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 basically, in fairness, I would have had to take it back. But if you tell me what you want to buy. Mm-hmm. And I facilitate what you are exactly telling me. Right. And it doesn't work. The only person you have to blame is you. Right. And then I say, well, I'll sell it for you. And when I get the <laughs> money, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give it back to you.
0: But see, now, if if I had been asked my opinion, I would have said, well, you need a sound system that's capable of 130, 140 dB.
1: It sounds then- to me that the person you were dealing with didn't understand the no, adage, he, a fool no. and his money will soon be parted.
0: Yes. And that's that's what happened. But uh, uh, yeah, that's the you know, example of of getting what you pay for. Right. And the yep. value in used n- and new
1: equipment. Well, I live my life under the philosophy of W.C. Fields, you know, and that is <laughs> you can't cheat an honest man, never give a sucker and even break or smarten up a chump. And 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 that and I have I have an I have another sign in my desk. Actually, I have, I have I have I have two signs in my office. One is the one I'm the most proud of, and and that one says, "I am not here just to make a living. I'm here to make a difference, and who I am makes a difference." Nice. And the other sign that I have is a little wood carving, and that says, uh, you know. Um, Anything worth doing is worth doing for money. Yes. So oh, that's, there you go. So that's my philosophies <laughs> right there.
0: I used to have a sign in my office, and I have to mm. assume that one of my children stole it because it used to say, let's start by assuming I'm always right. And I think one of my kids might have stole that from me.
1: <laughs> Why? <laughs>
0: No, actually, I think it was lost when, when I moved, but mm-hmm. I haven't seen it since I moved. So this is an important question to me because your your opinion is is valued in, in many circles in our industry. You're on the panel of office hours quite often and, and some other um, groups where your advice is important. So I want to ask you this. And then this is also something you and I have talked about. So I kind of know where we're going to go, but what do you see as the future of the live events industry? We we hit this pandemic and things kind of came to a grinding halt and a lot of things have been going on in 2020, but how do you see the future of our industry?
1: I'm very optimistic about the future of our industry. I, I think that, uh, first of all, let's just look at the facts. Uh, if you look at today, you know, t- today being what is what is today's date, March 18th? Mm-hmm. Uh, As of right now, right on right as we are speaking right now on spring break in in Florida, Miami, they are being flooded with human beings. They are. It's overwhelming how many people have streamed into Miami to be entertained just Mm -hmm. to be around other people. All of the concerts that are are putting tickets up for sale are selling out immediately. Garth Brooks has sold sixty-five thousand seats in numerous, numerous stadiums, and even though he keeps postponing his show, nobody seems to be wanting their money back. Right. So there are people. There are. There is a desire. Life is beautiful here in Las Vegas. When on sale. Tickets are four hundred dollars. Sold out almost instantaneously in one day. So there are. There are people that definitely are looking forward to getting back to being entertained. But our industry is bigger than just concerts. And so conventions, we look at conventions right now, The in Las Vegas, which is the, one of the biggest convention centers in the world, mm-hmm. uh, Concrete World, which is the largest um, convention dealing with building materials, um, that looks like it's going to sell out. Um, Polestar, uh, which is the magazine that reaches the agents and the managers and the bookers, they're doing that in Beverly Hills um, in two months. And that too is sold out. Over 2,000 people bought tickets almost instantaneously. Mm. So what I see is the future is is there's going to be a hybrid and we don't really know where it's going yet because right. streaming is still streaming right now. We have learned that streaming is quite important to getting our messages across. Look at YouTube, look at Facebook, look at Instagram, TikTok, Clubhouse. I mean, it goes on and on of, of what's available to us. So there's going to be an integration between the live event and the streaming event. And it's going to be a hybrid of something because those people that can go will go. Those people that can't go still want to be informed. And so I think that there is going to be a huge awakening of people that are going to need to be entertained and you know, throughout history, throughout history, whenever things got bad, people needed to be entertained the most. Uh, and it's still happening, even though it's happening in a different word, oh, a different, just a whole different world. Look at what's going on with Netflix or home box office or Peacock or any of these services that that are offering entertainment. Sony PlayStation sold more than they can make. Uh, right. Nintendo, the Switch, all of this stuff. But as we get back, there's going to be an uh, an, an increased need for personnel to do the things to bring this out both in live and in streaming. And right. those people that are learning right now how to stream, how to connect people, logistics, that kind of thing, there's going to be work for those people. My only concern right now of the immediate future is that there's not going to be enough crew and there's not going to be enough gear. Other than that, I I, I see that is that we are going to be Like the Roaring Twenties. I mean, right after the Big Depression, it was the Roaring Twenties. So I think that there's going to be a lot of prosperity. I think people are going to want to be entertained.
0: I think that's absolutely 100% on track.
1: You know, that's so, why that's why I haven't retired. Otherwise, you know, I, would say, you know, <laughs> I think I'll get a job uh, sweeping. I know I'm I can do that well. I've been doing it for fifty something years. I got that down to a science. You know, I'm sure I can find a, a great job somewhere. Hey, I, I've got my own broom too. You know, right, my own right. supplies.
0: I was speaking with someone this morning uh, about you know the one of those uh, points that you made, which is a shortage of people and gear. The shortage on gear. How do you see that playing out? Like, as an example of what we were talking about today, that people are going to be doing hybrids, and so there's, you know, live events and and streaming going on at the same time. And let's just say that even though there's normally five widgets in in Houston that are available at any given time, all five of them are used uh, on different events because we've got so much going on right now. And Dallas normally has six, but guess what? They have the need for 10. We need 10. Where are we calling around to get gear? Everybody in every city is going to start doing the same thing, and we're short on widgets. So the question is, if even across the country, the, we're all short on widgets, what's going on with manufacturing at this point? Because we're seeing a lot of things that, even right now, before we reopen, are backordered. In manufacturing. So do you see any issues with that? Is that anything you can speak to?
1: I can speak to it. That uh, doesn't mean what I'm saying is true, but um, <laughs> it'll be up, up to your audience to make that decision. But um <laughs> what happened? What happened is there was a, a plant in Japan that made the bulk of our chips. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're following the news, you know now that most of our chips come from China, Japan. We don't make any, we don't make chips here, but chips are used in every product that we, every, every product that we have. There's, you know, from automobiles, refrigerators, washer dryers, and of course, PA systems and and equipment like that. So the chips have the, the, there's a shortage of chips. So the same chip that Harmon or, or um, Harmon or Avid or, uh, um, Martin or any of the other major brands with, you know, L Acoustics, uh, you name it, Crest. Uh, they're fighting for the same chips as Samsung and General Motors and Ford and, you know, Tesla. And so there's going, there is a shortage right now. Certain items that are on back order till June. Also, the manufacturers got into the aspect of what they call just-in-time shipping. Mm -hmm. This was, this was, this was a a while ago that they made this decision. So rather than inventorying thing, they would plan out what they would need and then order it as they needed it. Well, that just in time plan right now is coming back to haunt us. And so the gear is going, the gear will start to be hoarded. The people that own the gear saying, well, I, I, I can't sell this because I'm going to, I'm going to need it. And it becomes uh, a situation of, of value, value to need. And if if they need the money, then they will they will sell it. And if not, they won't, they'll hold on to it. And the longer they hold on to it, of course, the and the more they hold on to it, the more the shortage comes into play. And so right now we're not in that challenge, but I could see more and more people are calling around for gear, seeing what's available, more and more people are calling for orders. And a lot of uh, there's a lot of spec things going on right now where people are saying, well, could you bid this out? Could you bid this out? But not all these jobs are coming to fruition. So true. The number one problem that I see right now is so many people have left this industry because of survival mode that Mm -hmm. they have to. So that that's going to be the number one thing is to crew a show is going to be the most difficult.
0: Absolutely. Uh, That was something we were talking about on uh, AV Educate yesterday which we, the subject was about resumes and uh, we're finding that there will be a shortage coming back because of folks that have left the industry. Uh, but yeah. also shout out to people who have left the industry. If you're coming back, you want to come back, etc. There is no shame in leaving the industry and coming back when things open up. There's absolutely no shame to mm-hmm. working at Home Depot for the last year and then deciding that, you know, hey, I'm going to go back to rigging, lighting, A1, whatever it was that you were doing before. Absolutely mm-hmm. no shame. Mm-hmm. I want to take us back to, um, to- let's Stay Han. with the
1: crewing. Let's, let's, if I oh, might, okay. I might say, uh, let's stay with the crewing for one more second. Okay.
0: Sure. So in talking about crew-
1: so you know as i was as as i was saying you know one of the biggest problems that i see and the challenges ahead of us is qualified crews however this is also a great opportunity right now for people who've wanted to be in the industry and have not been able to be in the industry and like especially now Everything is diversity and lack of uh, of women in the industry. And this is a perfect time for, for, for those that have always wanted to be in the industry to get into the industry. So if you have any desire whatsoever for working in production, now would be the perfect time to send out your resume and start making phone calls and saying, hey, I want to get involved. Absolutely. And I believe that if you are a woman um, or a person in, uh, of diverse nature, whatever that might mean, then this will be an opportunity for you. And, you know, just remember, you know, as they say, you know, what, one man's treasure is another man's treasure, you know, or something like that. That's not the right, that's not right. That's what I do. Uh, Wait, 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 you know, uh, you know, but opportunity is knocking right now. So if you hear the, if, if you hear the sound of opportunity, open the door, let it in. It is.
0: I totally agree. Um, and Jan, so you, you brought up a good point, which I'm going to expand on this a little bit, which you're talking about the number of women in the industry, um, Ed Woolock, um, which is a mutual friend of ours, he and I were talking about women in the industry and it's generational at this point. There are quite a few more women in the industry. And ladies, that now that you're out there listening to this, uh, come see what Jan is doing with Masterminds because I would love to have some of you come in and join in and, and interact with us on Jan's show as well. Uh, but the, the generation is that, of your generation, you probably had zero to one a number or percentage of women in the industry. And then in my generation, there were a few. There weren't very many women in the industry when I joined. And that was you know some 30 years ago. If I look at the generation behind me about, by about 10 years, there's a larger percentage of women And behind them by another 10 years, there's a great deal of women in the industry. They just happen to be a lot younger than you and I. And so in that percentage of women, I would love to to know what they're doing because I'm hoping that many of them are honing their skills and getting ready to jump up higher when they come back so that they have better skills that come back stronger, ladies. That's what I'm saying come back stronger so that you can be a an inspiration to the generation behind you so come talk to us ladies come talk to us on Jan's show and and be interactive with us and and tell me what i'm saying right and wrong here
1: <laughs> yeah I'm, you know absolutely i couldn't agree with you more um that i mentioned i'm also single i i' oh, you know, that's for a different show that's for a different show. <laughs> But all kidding aside, no, you know, our show is open for anyone who has a sense of humor uh, Mm -hmm. and that is interested in finding out what's going on in our industry. Uh, That's basically it. The number one, the number one uh, requisite is to bring your sense of humor and uh, you'll have a good time.
0: I think one of one of my favorite points of your show is that you have uh, folks from all over the country. And uh, you're asking them what's going on in their local area so that you get a lot of local news and inside information that way. And I think that's wonderful. It's actually very uh, educational for everybody. But because we're now asking for others to come along, we're just going to make that grow, hopefully, getting you know more folks from across the country to tell us what's going on in their area.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's important. Uh, the other thing that I, the other th- the other thing that I find to be very uh, enlightening is I give everyone a safe space to talk about what's on their mind. You do. Um, everybody gets, everybody participates that wants to participate. And so it's an opportunity for them to express what's in, what's on their mind.
0: Absolutely. And that's
1: why it's therapeutic.
0: Absolutely. And and you have to come see it to understand, but it really is a, a great conversation. So I, I can't plug you enough, actually, Jen, because uh, you're an inspiration.
1: Thank uh, you very much. Very we've been kind considering
0: taking... Oh, you deserve it. Um, we've been considering taking Feed the Crew uh, into a live scenario similar to yours and seeing what happens because... The intention was, you know, that we have conversations the way we would interact on show site and, and the one-on-ones are great and everybody's learning more about each other. And we, we seem to have a really, a rather large following at this point. And I'm, I'm very happy to say that very proud of you all listening, but I want some feedback from them. Maybe Jan could help us out in, uh, in helping us get interactive on Facebook. He'd, he'd have to teach me how to do that.
1: (laughs) i just don't i don't care. i learned my stuff no i got it i i, I got it down uh, i got it down and i would definitely share that with you as well you know um so i'm i am pleased to make myself available to you or your listening audience
0: i appreciate that and yes jan is also very uh helpful with the education side of things he's uh on office hours and and other programs as well so all of you that uh, join into us for education, look for Jan uh, out there on the internet. Look for his show. Look for him in panels. He's a great guy. Get to know him. Mm-hmm. So thank you, everybody. Thank you, Jan, for being here.
1: I just want to leave everybody with the, with two two specific thoughts. Number one is to be terrific, you must be specific. So figure it out what it is that you want to do, and then and then do it. And the other thing is, comes from Shakespeare, and that is, to thine own self be true, then it must follow as the night follows the day that thou could be false to no man. And that is super important to be true to yourself right now. So I wish you only the best, stay safe and healthy, and uh, I'm looking seeing you when our paths cross, whether it be in real life or virtually.
0: Excellent. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget to hit subscribe. Check out our website at feedthecrewpodcast.com for more information, as well as links to all of our episodes, bulletins, and social media. When you're hungry for inspiration, information, friends, and laughter, join us. Join us. Join us on Feed the Crew.